You guys ready to jump into the Word? All right, open in your Bible with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, Peter the Apostle, he's preaching. And he's preaching something that I believe that is speaking to us, speaking to us even about rock conference. You'll see it right here in verse 19. Because in verse 19, let's all, in fact, read this loud from the screens. And I'm going to read it out of the NIV version. It says this. Let's go out loud right here. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I love how he says that times of refreshing, they come from the Lord. They come from the presence of the Lord. As we are thinking about Rock Conference and preparing for it and making our plans and and working through all the details, I can't help but to think that this is going to be a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. I love refreshing. Do you like refreshments, right? On a hot day, you go in there and you grab yourself a cold drink. What do they call that? It's a refreshments, right? When I think about refreshing from the presence of the Lord, though, I think about it not just soothing the taste buds, not just helping you to cool off. I see that this is going to be a time for our church that will be pivotal for us, that it's a time where there's going to be renewed hope, that for you, you're going to come and there's going to be a a new strength that God gives you, a clear sense of vision for your life. I really do believe that it's going to be that time where it's like a breath of fresh air that comes from the presence of God. And that's what Peter is preaching about right here. And so as we're preparing and I'm reading that verse, I want to talk about this refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. My problem is I can't talk about the refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord until I back up and see what leads to that. You see, before he said you can receive the refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord, he started off that verse and he said, repent and turn to the Lord, that your sins may be wiped out. You see, we don't just wake up one day and experience the refreshing from the presence of the Lord unless there's been some repentance. Repent means to change, change your mind first, and then ultimately turn to God, change your direction. And so in order to experience what God wants you to experience in life, for you to be refreshed, for him to show up in your life, for him to give you answers, for him to help you out, for him to bring breakthrough in your life. Before you experience that, which we would consider the refreshing of God, there needs to be some change that takes place in your life and in my life. When I read this and I'm praying about our church and, and what you know we want to experience in, in the presence of the Lord, I realize Pastor Daniel needs to change. Tell somebody next to you, as if they didn't already know, Pastor Daniel needs to change, right? It's true. I need change in my life. I know I can't experience transformation just because I want it or just because it's needed. You don't experience transformation just because you should. Change has to take place first. A change of mind, a change of heart, a change of the way I do things. I realize that I need a turnaround on the inside of me in order to embrace what God has. And I also know this, that if we want to move forward and grab hold of everything that God has for us as a church, we need to change. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to change. 
Help me preach this message today. Today, we're all preachers. I deputize you today, right? You, you are de- uh, deputy preachers right there. You can help, help me out as I'm preaching this message. We've got to talk about the change that must take place in our hearts and in our lives if we're going to re- be prepared to receive that refreshing. I must change. We must change. But here's the deal. When we talk about revival, revival doesn't happen, it doesn't happen around us until it happens in us. Like you don't show up and revival's happening and you just kind of like, oh yeah, there was revival and we were revived. Like, like it was happening there, it was scheduled. And so there was revival. It's not an event that, that, that you program. It's something that has to happen on the inside down deep here in order for it to happen around us because it doesn't just come from the music, the preaching, the organization of something going on. It comes from a a collision between you and God. And when you bring your heart before him and you lay things out and nothing is held back and you say, God, whatever it takes, do it in me. Change has to take place. So I want to talk about that change so that we can eventually talk about the refreshing. My problem is I can't talk about the change today because we got to go back earlier in the story and we'll see what led, what leads to the change, what leads to the change. And so would you look with me in ver- the very first uh, verse of chapter three, we're going to put them all on the screens here today so we can talk about the source of our change. Write this down, the source of my change. One day, everyone say one day. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put, say this this out loud, every day. So one day met every day. He was put there every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When we were in Nicaragua, one of the project leaders shared these verses about one day meeting every day. And I thought, man, that's powerful. What happens when your one day meets someone's every day? You see, every day this guy was gathered up by his family or friends and, and laid there at the temple to beg hoping that someone would feel benevolent and gracious that day and give him some money. One day, Peter and John decided, hey, let's go pray at the temple at about three o'clock. And so every day this man is there, one day they come along and there's this intersection. This is how life works for us. If you look back at Uh, something significant that has changed in your life, and you were to tell the story, you would say something like, I used to be like this. Every day I was going about life like that, and I felt, you know, I felt these things. But one day something happened. How many of you have had one day come across your every day, right? Every day I felt like I was on the outside looking in. Every day I felt like I need to get right with God. But one day my friend picked me up and brought me to church, <laughs> and I heard about Jesus and how he loved me, and he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead for me. Every day, I was struggling with things on the inside, but one day, I met Jesus. 
So we see this happening here with this story. This guy's, this lame man, his everyday collided with Peter and John's one day. What happens when your one day meets someone's every day? I believe that very soon you're going to be aware that you're in the midst of this story and you're going to run into someone's every day and it's your one day and you're going to hear a prompting from the Lord. You think you should turn left, but for some reason I need to turn right. You think you should step in line faster, but instead you need to give someone your place in line and give them a little compliment and strike up a conversation. You don't know Peter and John weren't going to the temple to do something miraculous one day. They were just simply going to pray, and they ran across this guy's every day. How many people out there every day are waiting on your one day? And God has this set up on his heavenly calendar for you to, to, to intersect with them and change their life from that point on. You see, as we continue reading the story, verse 3, it says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. You know what he was expecting? Money, right? What was he expecting? Change. He was expecting change, but really just loose change. Verse 6, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, what did he do? What did he do? He helped him up. Taking him by the right hand. Peter reached out his hand and he helped him up. I believe that when you one day meet someone's every day, God's going to give you the opportunity to help someone up. This guy is down at a little bit lower level than where God has called him to be. And so Peter and John, they help him up. He grabs him, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God, which is what you and I would be doing as well. And by the way, it wasn't just a miracle that now suddenly his muscles are strong, but there's also the miracle, the guy had been lame from birth, so he had never learned how to walk. It's not that he was injured and could no longer walk, but all the motor skills, the connection from the brain to the muscles to the legs, everything else, all the balance, God healed and restored that as well. So when this guy is walking and leaping and you know, to whatever degree he can, this is a brand, brand new thing to him. It's a big deal, in other words. And so when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I want to talk a lot about that, but I can't because I don't have time. And so we'll jump into that maybe maybe next week or the week after, but here's two questions that, that I want to ask, and uh, I believe that these two questions have the same answer. Why were Peter and John going to pray? Why were they going to pray? And why was the man begging? Two different questions, but the same answer. Both were going to their source. Both were going to their source. The disciples saw the pattern of Jesus, how he would get up early 
and he would go pray regularly. They never knew Jesus to lack anything at any time. When Jesus needed to feed 5,000 and all he had was some kid's lunch, he looks up to heaven, he prays, he blesses it, he distributes it, provision. When Jesus needs to escape when people are about to throw him off a cliff, what does he do? He simply walks through the midst of them, protection. When Jesus needs to pay taxes, he tells Peter, hey, go and, go and cast a line in, into the, the water. The first fish that you pull out, there's going to be a coin in his mouth. What did he have? He had a word from the Lord, and he told Peter exactly what to do. Provision. Never lacked anything at any time. And they recognized this about Jesus, that though people saw the outward stuff that happened during the day, they knew that when they'd wake up in the morning, Jesus was nowhere to be found because he had got up earlier than them and he went out to pray. And so they, they put two and two together. This guy goes to a source, the Heavenly Father, and he always has what he needs at every time. Which is why, by the way, when Peter and John said, looked at this guy who was asking for money and they didn't have money, it didn't mean they didn't have anything. They looked at him and said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give to you. You see, they weren't lacking. They didn't have money. Sometimes you might feel like the solution is money or somebody to provide resources. But what if that person doesn't have it? But what do they have? Do we have faith in the name of Jesus? Right? So, so, so they were both going to their source. Why were Peter and John going to pray? Because they knew God is their source. And they'd experienced the provision of God. And so though they're there with no money in their pocket, they're still not lacking anything. And I believe that's something the Lord might even be saying to you, that you might not have money in your pocket, but you're not lacking anything when you know who your source is and you go to your source. This lame man was laid there every single day, every day his entire life. He could not work. There is no social security. There is no uh, welfare. There is no you know, disability insurance. This is his only opportunity to be provided for, so he thought. See, begging was all he ever knew. And so you can't fault the guy for doing all he ever knew. It's easy when you know something that someone else doesn't to judge them for not doing what you do based on your knowledge. If somebody grew up in poverty all their life and all they ever saw was begging, that's all they're going to do because that's all they know. And if you come from a background where you know, we grew up and we worked and we worked hard, you have a different revelation than they do of how life works and how to gain. And so you, you got to be careful that you don't, in your heart, begin to judge people because they don't have the same light that you have. Now, I know there's no one in second service here, but in first service, there are a couple people who've struggled with this before, to where when someone would come and ask for money, the response of their heart, if not their mouth, was, get a job. You're an able-bodied man. You're an able-bodied woman. If you have the strength to walk up to me and ask for, for money, you can walk up to somebody and ask for a job. 
I know it's no one in this service that has ever felt that way. First service, we had to come to Jesus. Second service, we got this, right? Am I the only one who's ever had thoughts like that cross my mind? Let me be a little bit honest. I have had thoughts like that cross my mind, and they're ugly. And it's one of those things where you have to bring yourself to Jesus and say, God, I don't want to be like that. That's what the world's like. They might need to get a job. Or maybe there's something about their life that I don't know. Or maybe it's a fact that there's something about their life that they don't know. Some people will come from a situation like that and then start working. You know, they, 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 they get a job, they get a big break, and, and, and now they're doing well. What happened? They're over here in darkness at some point to, to whatever issue it is that, that at, one, at another point, they were enlightened. Whether that meant like, oh man, I'm not going to eat if I don't get a job, or like, man, I actually do have the ability to produce something. Whatever it is, whatever it is. It's easy to think that just because you had an everyday that met one day, that they should too. The reality is they're still doing that every day. They don't have the revelation. They don't have the light, the insight, the knowledge of something new to change their situation. But that's where you come in. Peter and John didn't have that either, by the way, all their life. Because all they ever knew to one, at one point was fishing. And they weren't even good at it. They never caught fish without Jesus in the Bible. We don't ever see him doing like good fishing. But that's where Jesus caught them. That's where Jesus found them. I want to go back to this in a minute about that knowledge coming in and how you see things and then a new knowledge coming in, a new light, because that's, that's what's going to happen in this story here. Everybody say one day. Fishing was all Peter and John knew until one day they were exposed to something different. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, starting in verse 1, it says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who would be later called Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So here's Jesus. One day he's out there and he's preaching and he needs to finish up his sermon. So he jumps into their boat so he can get away from the crowd and better, you know, better project his voice to everybody who's listening. When he's done preaching, these fishermen who had been fishing every day and uh, then they're washing their nets every day, the same thing they do every day, he says, let's go, let's go catch some fish, guys. Simon answers, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. So when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so, they, so full that they began to sink. Now, here's their every day, I'm fisherman, and one day Jesus gets in my boat, and he says, let's go fishing. But I tell him, I do this every day, and we already fished at the time when people catch fish, and there were no fish in this whole lake. 
Because we tried, right? Like, you ever go fishing and don't catch anything? What do you say? I say there's no fish there. I don't know what you say, but it's not my fault. It's the, fish, it's the lake's fault. There's no fish in that lake. And so they said this to, to Jesus, and then suddenly Jesus calls in this miraculous boatload, net-breaking catch of fish. Now, in verse 8, it says, When Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Jesus, would you come fishing with me every day? Is that what he said? That's not, it's an open screen test. That's not what he said. You think that he would say, I want you in my boat all the time. So I can continue to go about my everyday the way that I did my everyday, but I can do my everyday even better. But that's not what he did. You see, Peter only saw things one way. His knowledge was limited to this. And had he never been exposed to a new light or something different, he would have died a fisherman, probably a broke fisherman at that. Every day doesn't intersect with one day that often, by the way. This is why people live their whole lives and they don't change much. People shift a little bit, but most of us don't have, on a regular occurrence, that many life-altering experiences, pieces of knowledge, something that totally changes your direction. Now, I hope you've had it if you've come to know Jesus, that uh, suddenly you realize that my life, the direction I was headed, was taking me to a path of, of missing my purpose, of loneliness, brokenness, and ultimately eternity without God, without those I love, in hell, where it never ends. That's not the direction I want to go. Suddenly, this other light shine, you know, shone about me where someone told me about the cross of Jesus, the love of God, the forgiveness available in Him, the new life. And, and when that knowledge came in, that light uh, came in, you embraced that and you left the old. And that was a life change. But that's not the only thing and only way and only time that God wants to transform your life. The problem is most of us, that is about as the only major change we experience in our life. And I don't believe that's where God wants to leave us. That's where he starts us, but it's not where he wants to leave us. Simon Peter saw this and he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Now, I think it's a funny connection that Jesus and Peter catch a boatload of fish, and Jesus, or Peter responds and says, when he gets a boatload of fish, I'm a sinful man. Like, have you ever got a bonus check from your employer? And you fall down at your knees and say, depart from me, boss. I'm a sinful man. Because that's kind of what just happened right there. Right? No, you sit there and you say, thank you. You know, hallelujah, mama's getting a new pair of shoes or whatever you say. I don't know what you say. Right? But you surely don't fall down on your knees and say, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. But Peter did. Because for him, it wasn't simply provision, but all of a sudden, 
there was revelation that came in that all my life, I've been looking to this lake as my source. All my life, I've been hoping that, that through my ability, I could catch enough fish to provide for my family till next week. All my life, I've been living my way thinking that my highest calling and destiny and the best I'll ever be is a second-rate fisherman. All my life, this is what I have been preparing for right here, to fish. But some, one day, Jesus was standing on the shore, and he got into his boat, and the creator took authority over the creation. And Peter witnessed it, that Jesus simply said, do something that made no sense because there's no fish in this lake. And if there were, they wouldn't be eaten right now or, or out and available to catch at, at, you know, the midday. You catch fish at night. When you sneak up on them, they don't see you coming. Your net. And he recognizes that I've been looking for a resource, but suddenly I just found the source. I've been trying to get satisfied by the food, right? But man, I've got the chef right here. He recognized, you're not an ordinary preacher, are you? Depart from me, I just came into the presence of Almighty God. All his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Jesus just brought in a new way of seeing life to this beggar and said, you won't have to beg anymore. When they pulled up their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. It says that. Verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. They just experienced the biggest windfall of their life. And they looked at the windfall and they said, that's, that's not enough. I'm not going to. I mean, this was breakthrough. But they realized that's not really what I need. That's not really what I want. He's what I need. He's what I want. So they left all of that and followed him. This was an intersection that changed their lives, changed their family, changed their community, and ultimately changed the world. I don't know what will happen when you run into Jesus and what kind of change it'll, it'll make in your life or if everyone will ever hear about it. But I believe this, as we're gearing up for Rock Conference in this time of refreshing, I believe that God is looking to radically change our lives. With Peter, he put some new wine in an old wineskin and just blew it all apart right there. And Peter realized, I have got to change. And so Peter and John, who experienced this with Jesus, this new revelation, this new insight, when they're faced with this guy here who all he ever knew was to beg they brought in some new light and some new insight. And it wasn't simply, hey, guy, get a job. You could at least be weaving baskets while you're sitting there. But instead, they brought that same authority from the creator God to 
change this man's life and his future and his family forever. He was limited in his knowledge, but suddenly found that in the name of Jesus Christ, I can rise up and walk. You see, what happened was Peter and John knew who their source was, and so they were going up to meet with their source. On the way, they ran into somebody, and they were able to give what they had from their source. If their source was money and a job, all they would have done was tossed a few pieces of you know, silver into his bucket. But they had something that would change this guy's life well beyond a little bit of change. And they're going up to pray. I've got to wrap this up. I, I've only got a minute, and I think our clock's spun too fast back there. But let me ask you this question. What is your source? What is your source? When you get under pressure, where do you turn? Do you work harder? Do you start searching the classifieds? Do you stress out? Do you exercise? Do you get angry? Do you, do you drink? Do you smoke? Do you eat? What is your source to deal with that pressure and that stress that you're facing? When you're experiencing some lack, where do you go? How do you talk about it? Who do you relate to? Do you call somebody and say, will you worry about this with me? Right? Do you find somebody else in a terrible situation and talk bad about, you know, the economy? Where's your source? Because your source, where you go to if you're your source, that'll determine what kind of provision comes your way and how long it lasts and, and whether it's accessible again. We got to learn to make Jesus our source, and Peter and John knew that, and so they were going up to pray because they knew who their source was. Here's uh, three things that'll help you pray. Write these down. You need to have a time, you need to have a place, and you need to have a plan. A time. Peter and John were going up at three o'clock. The Bible points out the time of prayer. They were going to a certain place. They were going to the temple, and I bet you they had a plan when they went up to pray. They didn't just go up there wondering, what are we going to do when we go to pray? I don't know. I'm going to probably fall asleep like usual. No, these guys go in there with a plan. If you had an opportunity to meet somebody who is a professional in the field of your interest, somebody who is very experienced, maybe they're the CEO, maybe they're the founder of a company, maybe they're the inventor of something, maybe they're you know, the best there is, and you had a lunch appointment with them, 30 minutes, are you going to sit down with them and just start talking about the weather? No, you know what you're going to do? You're going to come in there into their presence. You're going to sit down and say, thank you for meeting with me, for taking the time. I admire your work. I look up to you. I think, you know, thank you for your influence in my life from a distance. I've got some things I'm really interested in learning about or maybe some challenges. And, and, and I'm hoping that you might be able to answer some questions that I've prepared. And you're going to make sure you take their use their time and your time with them wisely. That's what you would do, right? If you're sitting there thinking, I, I didn't know that I should do that. Yeah, that's what you should do if you have an opportunity like that. Now, there may be other opportunities where you just hang out. But not every opportunity is one just to hang out. And so these guys who grew up in the, going to the temple every, you know, so often, however they'd go, when they would go to pray, you know what they'd pray? They'd pray the Psalms. Maybe they followed the Acts plan, Acts, A-C-T-S. This will help you with your prayer. 
Maybe this was their plan when they got to the temple. They're going to start off with A, adoration. I'm going to give God praise and begin to sing to him and worship him and talk to him about the good things he's done. Maybe they'd open up to Psalm 145 and just open up, you know, speak any any verse out of there, like verse 21, it says, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. Lord, you uphold all who fall and you raise up all who are bowed down. God, you are righteous in all your ways, gracious in all your works. Lord, you're near to him who, who calls upon you, to everyone who calls upon you in truth. You fulfill the desire of those who fear you. You also hear the cry and, and you save them. Maybe they'd start off with just a time of our Father in heaven, holy is your name. That's the adoration. And then they move on to the sea, which is confession. And maybe they jump into like Psalm 51, where, where David prayed this prayer of confession to the Lord after he was caught in adultery. And he said, Lord, Lord God, uh, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Maybe you move into this time where you confess some of the things that have come between you and God. And, and it's not the first time that he's heard about them, but it's the first time you've experienced the freedom from them. And you begin to get those things off your chest. Maybe you even confess the goodness of God and you confess your identity before the Lord and you begin to make these declarations of faith. And then you move on to the T and the S, thanksgiving and supplication. And you're reminded of this verse from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 that says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And you're reminded of that verse. And so as you bring your list of things that you need God's help with, you bring them to him with thanksgiving. Lord God, I thank you that you provide for me. Thank you, Lord God, that, that uh, though I might not have it in my account, you're not lacking. So Lord, I, I'm looking to you for help right now. God, I thank you that you, that, that you are at work in my family. Thank you that all my children are taught by you, and they love you, and great is their peace. Maybe you begin to thank God for your pastor. You thank God that you anoint his lips, that next week he's going to even preach better than he did last week, right? Thank you for our church, that you cause us to be an outward-focused church, that, that we can't get enough of leading people to Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for Rock Conference, that it's a time of refreshing, and there's going to be people from, from near and far that are gathered together, and the presence of God shows up. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord God, that as I go to work today, I'll be confident. Thank you, Lord God, that you help me to speak words of life and not get so angry and cuss people out anymore. Right? Come on now. I'm not going to ask when the last time you cussed somebody out. I might refer you to point C, confession on that, and then move back to thanksgiving and supplication. But that little plan right there that you use for the time you meet at the place you meet with God is going to help you with your source when you find your source. And then when you've gone to your source, one day you'll run across somebody's every day and it's going to transform their life forever. 
And that's the kind of people God's called us to be because that's the way that he is with us. And, and today might just be an everyday for you. Every Sunday I go to church, but this might be the one day where God opens your eyes to something, that you catch some things on the inside. I don't know what you don't know. I mean, like that you need to know. You don't even know what you don't know. I know that's really deep, isn't it? But here's the deal. There is something that you need to know that you don't know. That when you do know, it will change everything when it comes from heaven. And this revelation or this light shines. And you see something. You discover something that maybe others didn't know it. But for you, you caught it. And that right there is turnaround for you. That positions you for the change that leads to the refreshing from the presence of the Lord. How many of you think the person next to you might need to reconsider their source, right? How about the person next to them needs to reconsider the source? 